Welcome aboard Living the Dream, the podcast that brings you on a weekly adventure exploring the world of kosher food, travel, lifestyle, and so much more. Each week, get the scoop on what's new and hot in the kosher lifestyle world and hear great stories from industry pros. Turn up the volume. Now, here's your host, Douglas Sockloff. Good afternoon, everybody. Today is, wow. I know I often, uh, people call and tell me some different comments and observations on my show, and sometimes that I am too excited, sometimes I don't let the guest speak enough, but I am beyond, beyond excited today. My guest on Living the Dream, powered by the Douglas Sackcloth Experience, has, which we are up to, I think this is episode number eight or number nine. My guest today is such a special and unique, talented person that he was actually supposed to be episode number one. But due to um, logistics and uh, life, I think that's a good way to put it, we are here today. And I'm going to give a bit of a background to the Living the Dream crew, the squad, the gang, and talk about a little bit about my guest today. I have the honor and the pleasure of Jack Shelby, who is also, a.k.a., also known as Shelby's Got to Eat. I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me over the last four weeks, six weeks since I started the podcast, and have said to me, when is the guy Shelby's got to eat beyond the podcast? And my reply was, yes, same thing I started off with this podcast. with. He was supposed to be episode number one. So I am really, really excited uh, to be doing this today. Uh, Jack is multi-talented in so many different unique ways, which we will touch upon uh, today. Early on, uh, Jack uh, has a long history of working at one of everybody's favorite and most nostalgic restaurants, Bernstein's. And I really want to know, once we talk about that, I let him speak for a little bit, if he actually has the recipe to the Sino sauce, which it seems like nobody really has it. So maybe we could get a little bit of a, a hint on that most popular uh, sauce and dish that everybody loved back in those days. Then Jack went to open his own establishment, also another institution for many, many years on the Lower East Side. Um, and that was the famous Grand Deli. And that also became an institution in its own right mind. Today, um, Jack has a very popular presence on Instagram, where I like to call it, he's got signature Shelby moves, okay? Um, he does these crazy things with his napkin. He wipes his face all the time. He cuts egg rolls in a very strange way, packs a hot dog in a very unique way, loves bourbon, loves to travel, loves, loves, loves many, many of the favorite kosher iconic institutions, not only in the New York, in the New York tri-state area. He's got a thing for Wasserman and Lemberger in Baltimore. Most recently there at uh, the Chinese David Chu, which I say is one of the only restaurants perhaps maybe delicious Chinese food, but only place you could probably go with 20 people and have the bill for under $150. And just 
so much. And he's very, very open um, about his food life and other things. And I couldn't be more honored than having the one and only Jack Shelby. Shelby's got to eat. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I want to just say also that in Boston, Massachusetts, where I was last Sunday, you could also walk in there with 20 people and get a bill for $200. So, <laughs> Is that including the tip or no tip? People. You know, Shelby tips large also. <laughs> I got to put that on signature Shelby moves. Absolutely. Uh, once you're a restaurateur, you know, you always uh, want to take care of people who take care of you. That's just the way it is. So anyway, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, the one thing that I notice is what's very interesting is you, you have a very set place in your kitchen. And that is like, uh, you know, some people have a makam kavua in a base measures. Some people have a makam kavua um, in, in other places. Shelby's got to eat as a makam kavua in the kitchen, right at the kitchen counter. Um, well, I like that you uh, picked up on that. And, uh, you know, I'm just really comfortable in my home. And I know a lot of people, you know, some people, they text me and they say, Shelby, you know, what do you do for me home? You're so natural. I don't know if you should be on that. But most of the comments I get is, you know what? Keep it up. I'm just in my natural habitat. The napkin wipe is a natural thing. I always find myself wiping myself like that. Always. It's not a stage thing. You know what? Everything I do is not stage. It's just, I'm just being me. I'm just being Shelby. You're just being organic and you're being natural and you're being real and you're surrounded. Um, and I wasn't joking when I said how many people um, who don't know you but follow you said, oh, you need to get Jack Shelby. Shelby's got to eat onto your podcast. And um, we were trying to get this podcast up, having some t- technical difficulties. I didn't even share that with you, nor with some other um, information that I have as well. But it's funny because I happen to love when I make a sandwich, whether it's a hamburger. I mean, yes, we also, we, we both have a huge passion for standing at the grill. Um, you love showing your grill. You love, I, I love it also. And I love coming in and I love building a sandwich, like whether it's a burger or a chicken sandwich. And I love putting potato chips on it. Okay, for the crunch. I love now, chips. my family all looks at me like I'm the craziest person in the world. But yet when Jack Shelby goes and does, cuts his egg roll, he's got a shtick the way you cut the egg roll, puts a little of the spicy mustard packet, a little bit of duck sauce. And then when you're doing your hot dog, you build your hot dog in a certain way. So you do have signature Shelby moves, which I like to refer to. But yet when I'm at home, right, and I'm like, oh, let me throw this up on Instagram. My friend's like, like, like. They're, they're, they're like picketing outside. You know, do not do that. Do not do that. But yet every move that you're making is, um, is just people take it and, 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 and they resonate with it. And, and anybody who, who has seen you um, on Instagram, also a big question that I get is, who is Whistleman? Well, Whistleman is uh, deep on the cover right now. Okay, so let me just give a little bit of introduction to those that maybe have not seen you before and don't understand what Whistle Man is. Anytime that uh, Jack is going to do a story, there is somebody who is AKA, who now has the nickname of Whistle Man that gives him a sign of, uh, uh, it sounds like a bird almost, right? And he's earned the name Whistle Man. It could be a whistle lady, it could be a whistle man. We don't know, we don't ask. Um, and that's the sign when he's rolling live and Instagram story is started. But that's only when the Whistle Man is around. Because a lot of uh, people will try to uh, mock and imitate the uh, Whistle Man, but they don't do a good job. The Whistle Man is, is a very close and dear friend of mine. He's really a brother from another mother that I never had. And uh, he's the inspiration of this story. And the whole thing, the whole thing started with uh, 
Dog Day every day, a dog from Memorial Day to Labor Day. I don't remember how many years ago it was. Um, so it's one hot dog a day from Memorial Day through Labor Day. Right, and, and Douglas, I don't even know if you know how that started. I, mean, I don't. Okay, so what happened was, uh, again, I don't remember which year it was, but 2016, 2017, I wasn't so busy at work. And I said to my family, you know what, this summer I'm going to take up golf lessons and swimming lessons and, and uh, guitar lessons. I love guitar. I love music. And I prepaid for 10 lessons of each. And the summer came and left, and I took one lesson of each, and that was it. It was done. And I felt like a failure. So I said to my kids the next uh, uh, summer, I said, you know what? This day I'm going to do something that I know I could accomplish. I'm going to have a hot dog a day from Memorial Day. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And uh, and how many years in a row has that been consistent? Oh, no, no. We just did that one year. Only yeah. one year. I was going to say, because you look incredible uh, for those who, who never seen you. And something I also wanted to get into uh, to pick up on that is when I go out to eat, which is often, anybody who knows me knows that that is fact, I order a ton of food. And I, I, there's one other guy that I know, a very common mutual friend of us, Daniel Rosner, oh, yeah. Daniel, sure. um, who also is in my league of, of also, you got, I, I love going out with him. Okay. I love going out with him because he and I just get along, but you take ordering food literally to the next level. And I just want to go like, say, Oh, the hot dog, is it? And you are, your physique is perfect. Uh, you go out to eat, well, sorry, I don't you, know you, about, you, that's you, your friend, I appreciate but you it. look great. Thank you, you go out to eat often. Um, you order a ton of food. Okay. okay. Usually it doesn't look like there's too many people with you. I usually look at maybe one or, or, or another. And I'm sure with your popularity, you're always like, get some extra dishes out, but still it's an enormous amount of food. And I get like, I get a high off of it. You know, it's like there's certain people, like a small squad of us who definitely get an enormous amount of hana, right? Absolutely. Out of that. that. Yeah. And it's a different, it's, it's, it's a different level. But then again, when I do it, you know, oh, you ordered too much food. But when Jack does it, it's like, oh, let's get the whistle man whistles and it's rolling and everybody's like loving it and uh, just having a ton of fun. And, and I think that's a lot of what captures you and your lifestyle is that you give off just such a, a happy personality, make people feel good. You're spiritual, always with a, a bracha, as you say. Yeah. Um, you have a custom uh, after a fast, which I think you always mentioned was your yeah, father-in-law's. Right? His, was his been hugged? Had a shot of bourbon. That's the first thing he used to uh, have after the fest. I mean, I got to be honest. He's from Poland, so I'm sure they didn't have bourbon over there. But it was always a l'chaim. That's the point. Okay. The point of it was a l'chaim. So you, you always enjoy life. You always make mention of uh, that was your father-in-law's minhag tradition. And you also have another tradition, which I think there's many more because you are such a spiritual person. There are many more traditions. But also, um, it's going to lead me into my next segue. Uh, when you, before you travel you always have uh, a shot of bourbon. Right. So, so that was just something that uh, I started doing, uh, I'm, I'm going to say about 10, 12 years ago. And it's just like, uh, it's it's a spiritual thing, but it's also a, uh, you know, the nice thing to do. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not going to get into specifics, but, but your life takes you to many destinations, many unique destinations. Uh, you're very blessed. And to, mean, you're, you're, you're very blessed um, and you have seen parts of the world that people could only dream about. Not only um, are you there, but, but you're a, an integral part of, of, of an operation many, many times behind the scenes. Okay. And you expose and you show. Um, 
You were on a cruise recently to Antarctica. Antarctica, okay? And I can only imagine if you looked at your statistics on your Instagram of how many people watched that story of the kitchen, of showing how that kitchen was operating on that boat to the highest standards of Kashras and on a boat, okay? Um, And I know many of your travels take you to some very unique places where you have to think in a very creative way to execute and get things done. Um, Sometimes things don't show up. People don't realize this. And this is also like something that I do in my business, that Lasakloff experience is that our our job is to always make things look good and not let anybody know what the the ruffles and the feathers were to get to that point. Forget the location. Right. Can, Can you let the listeners know a unique situation that something was really like, you know, out of whack. Out of whack, and you pulled it off at the last minute. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, I run the kitchen in uh, the biggest kitchen in Uman every uh, Rosh Hashanah. And our kitchen serves 13,000 people at each Suda. Um, by the time, you know, it comes and goes, we served over 150,000 meals. In, in how many days? Two and a half, three days? Well, w- with the first day, it was like four or five. Right. Know, with how the, many years have you been in Uman? Uh, I would, I would like. Oh man, oh man, Russia, China, Russia, China. Oh, I feel like I just, I feel like I just want to sing and dance with you right now. Yeah, me too. But well, before we get to that, like, you're, you're very open with your lifestyle. You're very open with food, all that. What, what type of music do you like? Honestly, I have a big, uh, big uh, variety of music. I like, I like mostly old music. Old music. All, all music. All music. Like what, what about like? Um, I've seen you with Pumpadis a lot. I've seen love, you with Zusha. Love, love all of them. Love right, all everything. I love the Shwaki. I love more. Shwaki. Uh, let me tell you, there's he's no. My, my I'm, I'm very into Jewish music. Very into. Okay, I can keep up with the best of the best. Okay, and I love a lot of these guys. Right, especially the younger guys. I'm friends with them and all that. But there's only one more that I can do. Uh-huh. Couldn't agree more. Right, only one. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'm a little concerned as you're bringing up Uman now, by the way. As I'm bringing up Uman and you're singing and dancing, I'm a little concerned about what's going on in that country right now. Uh, obviously. And, uh, anybody who follows current events, so on and so forth, knows exactly what we're talking about. Um, and that is such a developing and fluid uh, situation. And it's going to be interesting uh, how that plays out and see what the effects it has here in America, um, not only from uh, financial, life, uh, security, and, and everything like that. So that, that'll be for... Another time, uh, we're going to keep this nice and happy and upbeat, just like you are. So let's go back to the situation of a scenario behind the scenes where you need to go into your resources, maybe your recall system in the back of your brain, and so say, "Uman story is the story." Please, I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, it was a couple of years back, and it was in the first years where this kitchen was so big. Maybe it was the second or third year, and we said we're going to try something different this year. We're going to cook everything in America. We built a commissary to cook everything and we, you know, flash froze everything and we shipped it all from from New York right. to Ukraine and we we thought we had all the paperwork in order. I know where this is, by the way, even before you said paperwork, I know exactly where this is going. Yeah. Exactly. Because I know on a small scale, like when a family is like going to Mexico or wherever, carry on. And uh, we thought we had everything in order. We sent everything out to ship, and there was no problem leaving, obviously. But uh, when the ship showed up to Ukraine, we had some major problems. And the food was supposed to arrive 
to Uman uh, two weeks before Rosh Hashanah, and every day for those two weeks, um, from when it got to the uh, to the port, um, was I, I don't think I slept more than two hours a night because of the time difference and everything being on the phone. And to make a long story short, um, it was three days before Rosh Hashanah, and they still didn't release our food and our, and everything we cooked and worked so hard for for a month before to prepare. And uh, we had to make a decision, and we made a decision um, to we had to redo everything in case this stuff doesn't come. So what does that mean? That means you're serving 13,000 people each Suda. Um, and it's like four meals because snacks, the breakfast, lunch, dinner, it, snack. It, it always ends up being seven meals, actually, right. because <laughs> right. and there's always right. Shabbos before, Shabbos And you're talking about before, massive before. numbers, massive. Correct, correct. And we had to arrange to bring all the beef and chicken from New York fresh and some of the ingredients. I mean, a lot of the ingredients you get in the Ukraine. But uh, we had to put that all together last minute, two days before Yom Tif, and we did it. If, if somebody's never been to Uman before, like myself, um, which one day, God willing, I uh, look forward to taking going with my kids one year for Yom Tif, um, it's something that you've never, you, you, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words. It's very hard. You know, I got a lot of great feedback last year after all the videos I put out um, about Uman, about the production, about everything that goes on over there with the food uh, kitchen and... Uh, it, it just doesn't even describe what it really is. And people don't realize it's not like you just click your heels and you end up in Uman. It's it's a journey. It happens quick. There's a huge team on the ground down there. I remember you showed a great interview of uh, one of the gentlemen who looks very Hasidish, right? That runs the whole operation there on a regular right. basis. That was so interesting. Um, and I don't think anybody could really understand unless you were there, the volume of what goes on and how many people, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, not a lot of people. Let me take that back. Many people go there because it's a beautiful, spiritual, meaningful, something like you've never experienced. Unfortunately, there's some people who go, right? And those are the ones who give it a bad experience. But I've only heard such incredible things of, of the spiritual, emotional high. So the first time I ever went there was before I was involved with this kitchen. I went there about 22 years ago, and I went just to Rosh Hashanah to experience it. And it was the best Rosh Hashanah of my life. I had a, a, a davening that was unbelievable. There were 4,500 people in the shul that I was in, and it was fantastic. 4,500? Yeah, in one shul. In one, in shul. one shul. That's right. And, uh, and I said, I got to come here every year. And then as I was traveling, I said, I can't come every year, so I'm going to skip a year and come back the year after. And I skipped the year, and then I came back the year after, and the davening was good. And I said, you know what? My family is more important. But when it came to this opportunity of serving people, which was two years later, and, and, and doing the work that I love to do, and my father, Allah Shalom, used to say, he used to call me before Rosh Hashanah. He hated that I left my family for Rosh Hashanah, but he used to call me. The last call with him would always be, Jack, just remember you doing the work of Abraham Avinu. And that's what I felt like. And just on that note, um, I just want to speak for a minute because like, when, when you're in this business, whether it's um, concierge business of like what I do, behind the scenes logistics operations of what you do, we get like moved and excited when you get to like a very large platform of something like that, right? And to be able, people don't, it takes years and years and years of experience, trial, error. You, you talk about it like, oh, two seconds, oh yeah. Uh, we did 13,000 meals and I caught it by three days, 100 times, of, of what that takes to do and to do it so well. And everything that I've seen, 
just looks so organized. And I know on, a, on many of your other trips that you go on, and does uh, Jack Shelby have a packing list? Well, um, I, I do have a basic packing list, but every trip requires something different. And, you know, as you're saying this, I keep thinking about how, you know, what you do, Douglas, is people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes. And that's, and that's the idea. You know, people are paying, uh, paying for a service that's um, something they shouldn't have to be bothered with and not have to think about it. And that's what you do. But everybody out there who, who's not involved on our end has no clue about no what clue. put in. No, no clue. clue at all. And I think what's interesting and, and so enjoyable is when, when I'm able to have a conversation with somebody who understands the, technica- the technicalities, the operations, the logistics. And we know that anytime we're going to go into something, there are going to be issues. Okay? There, there, always something. There, there's always something. And, you know, my wife's an event planner. Okay. So um, I'm exposed to it in even uh, a more social component than a tourist, I'm sorry, travel side. And I think what, what's funny about social media is people always see the good parts. Nobody yeah. shows all the issues. And I don't care what type of event it is. It could be a small little bar mitzvah an intimate wedding, a small anniversary party, a major production, a million-dollar wedding, a $2 million wedding, whatever the event is, every event has a situation that comes up. Uh, Some are more grand, some are less grand, but everything is, the focus is on how to get this done. And and, and that's why I think just talking to people just in in, in general, um, especially with the day and age that we are living in, it always, always makes sense. And I have this conversation with people when they travel. Always work with reliable people. So experienced and, and reliable. And check. And don't be afraid to ask for references. Um, I, I know I preach a lot to people. And I'm saying, like, I always use the term one-offs. There's always, like, especially, like, yuntive time or busy times during the year. There's always people who say, oh, they post something on social media. We've been in business for doing this. We've been in business. That they make it look like they're a real legitimate business. And then people sign up with them. And I'm not singling out Hospital Salt, anybody. I'm not talking about anybody specific, but I see it happen all the time. And people out of their good nature just do it because they think they've been around. They don't research it. They don't check it. And it turns out to be a disaster. So I think one important thing for the listeners to listen today is always verify and make sure you're dealing with credible, reliable, honest, and respectable uh, people. Absolutely. There's so many stories that I hear and people come to me and say, you know, do you recommend going with this person or this person? And I, if I don't know them, I don't recommend them. I mean, there's nothing to talk about, you know, and, uh, you know, this is, this whole conversation is reminding me of a story. You know, I uh, used to do travel from my uh, restaurant, as Douglas mentioned earlier, the Grand Deli, which was open from 1994 till uh, 2001. And we used to cater kosher tours all over the world. And we created one tour in 1996, and there was no cell phone. But I just want to go one thing. You, you were one of the first originators when these travel experiences were started. You, you would get hired to be the facilitator of kosher food, almost like the concierge without the concierge term. Exactly. Way, way before there was a term of concierge, when people thought concierge is the guy who stands in the middle of the hotel. Um, and you were an early, early pioneer of doing this. From the Grand Delta. Absolutely. And uh, that all changed in 2001 after uh, 9-11 when the whole travel world changed. But um, I was in Spain in 1998, I believe, and we got stuck and they wanted to take all our food away. And 
make a long story short, we, uh, I, call, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I had this, this, this cell phone that's, my kids would laugh at me how big it was. It was like, it was like in the back with the, the antenna, right? Remember those? Remember those? Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, I called El Al's, and I don't know who to call. I mean, I called El Al to see if they could help me. I don't even know how I got the number. There was no Google then. <laughs> and they were able to help me get it all through customs. And uh, I mean, we just did what we had to do. And that's what we do every day in this business. We do what we have to do to make it a good experience for everybody. There are still people who stop me. I, I don't want to say, you know, weekly or monthly, but often, many times a year, that say, Shelby, I remember going with you to uh, so-and-so in 1998, and the food was great, and I always took care of people. I would love to see your passport, um, and how many places, or how many passports A, you actually have, because of all the travel, international travel that you have done, but I want to go back to your packing list, and, and you're dodging, you're like a pinball on that. I mean... I, all I see is, you know, you got little bottles of booze, bourbon, packed. You got all these other little tchotchkes that you like. Your spicy mustard in one pocket, uh, sriracha in the left pocket. Um, I don't know what, what else. So there has to be a, if not, the Douglas Club experience would be more than happy to create the Jack Shelby, Shelby's got to eat or Shelby's got to travel official packing list. But there has to be one. So there is a packing list, but it's not a packing list that covers all my trips. And what I mean is I have actually notes in my phone for different people that are coming on trips because, you know, I do a lot of trips and a lot of them are repeat people. And so I have different notes of different people, what they like. And what a they portfolio appreciate. of what people like, right. right? Very much similar to like what, what, what I do. Um, but I will tell you something. I would say it right here, right now, because I have plenty of people who call me all the time to go international. I would never touch international ever. Because I know, again, at this stage of my life that I'm in, I know what I know. You've been doing this for since 1996. 1996. You know exactly the wheelhouse, what needs to get done, how to pack things, how to get things through. If the dog is looking at you, you, you kind of look for the Chabad rabbi uh, to say a special Misa Beira or Shir Hamalot um, to, get, to get things done and to make sure those um, issues are taken care of in advance. So you're able to slide right in. But what about your personal packages? Do you have a personal? You, you travel all the time. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a, a Shelby a Shelby. You travel all the time. You're quiet about it. Um, you know, one hour you're taking a L'chaim, you're saying you're up. Next thing you're up in the air. And you're back three days later. And then you're doing it three days later. So you travel all the time. Who packs for you? Do you pack for yourself? I do pack for myself. And I don't have a packing list. And... Uh, I got I to tell you, sometimes I forget things. Okay, so this is what I was going to say. I want to go into now, I did a survey a couple of weeks ago on my Instagram saying, what is the most popular item people forget on a regular basis? Can I guess before you say it? Please, that's right. No, no. The, the, the thing that I most frequently forget, and it's not often, but yeah, yeah. it's been two or three times, it sucks. Okay, interesting. The biggest one that everybody, the, big, the, the, the biggest one that everybody, um, the most common one was a toothbrush. Toothbrush. Yeah. And the biggest thing that people leave from their destination coming back to their uh, original place where they started, whether it's home, vacation, whatever, are chargers. Right. Can you imagine how many chargers a hotel has? I, I always travel with I have how many? four to six chargers in all my bags. I have always three bags I travel with, and I always have two chargers there, a couple chargers there. Oh, see, so you do have, home. in certain of your items, like places have, for certain places. I do. I have a, a standard... 
uh, I have a knapsack that has and a, and a roller bag that always has Tylenol, Advil, and chargers in it. Right. That's something I have right. to go with. That's I will never forget that. Okay, and again, just just for the listeners here, again, we're we're, we're today having the great honor with uh, Jack Shelby. Shelby's got to eat. If you don't follow him on Instagram, he's one of the most entertaining, uh, informative, um, and creative individuals on Instagram who covers kosher food um, for his enjoyment, not promoting, doesn't get paid by anybody. There's no sponsorship. Uh, His, his, um, as, as I said before, his signature shall be moved. Can I just, Uh, please go ahead, please. I I just want to also add to that. Like people call me out on it on my Instagram. Shelby, you only say good things. How come you don't say what's bad? That's just how I do. If I go to a restaurant and it's bad, I don't post it. So I only give you the good stuff. I'm so happy you brought that up because uh, I'm a firm believer, okay, very similar to you. We we go out to eat to enjoy to go out to eat. And we, I think, both know nine out of ten times, you, if, if, you, if you can't go out to just to enjoy to go eat, nine out of ten times you could get excited by a situation that went on in a restaurant. I don't care if it's at one of the higher-end restaurants or a low-end restaurant. There's always a situation that goes on in a restaurant, okay? I also made um, a policy that I will never speak negative about a restaurant. Okay, especially in today's day and age. These guys have been killing themselves, working harder than ever before, making less money than they've had. They're fighting for their survival. So hard to find employees. I mean, and, and when you do find them and you got to pay them, overpay them, they kill themselves. Right. We, we are... In an undisclosed location right now in Manhattan. I'm not going to go into where we are, what we're doing. doesn't make a difference. Okay? And one of the first, the first things that I told you was how depressed I was when I walked into um, this, this building because what I just saw, and I'm, someone who, I'm in New York City. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I was in New York City um, yesterday, but I was in Midtown. Midtown's starting to pick up. We're in a part of New York City right now where – it is beyond depressing. It is beyond sad um, what is going on down here. Um, we are down in the Wall Street area. I think this will be for another time. We'll, when the time is right, in a very interesting place. I'm going to leave it at that for right now. Um, a mysterious place. A beautiful place. Like, like, like I felt like I walked into Ghana. Okay? Literally. And what I see here... We're going to have to do it another time. Absolutely. And when, when I set it up right, when I know where we're going, uh, I wasn't sure where I was coming to, but but down here in, in the area that we're in, I have to tell you, it's just beyond depressing. So how could you go to a guy who's killing himself? The guy's worked 20 years in the restaurant business. He's working harder. He's an evet. He's an evet. Okay? He's the butcher. He's the baker. He's the candlestick maker. He's doing the job of five people. And you know what? They're surviving. They're, they're, they're fighting for their survival. That's right. So all because you go into bad experience? Okay. But you know what? I do have a couple little pet peeves, as I call it. I just want to hear your opinion. You know, a lot of restaurants today are starting, you know, um, put a credit card down for a reservation. Right. Okay. I don't have a problem with that, but you better have my table ready. Right? If, if you're going to take 25 or $45, it's got to work both ways. It, it has to work both ways. So if you're going to, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't, there needs to be hospitality in order to rectify the situation to make it good. Because nobody wants to feel like they're taking advantage of it. Um, just a couple more minutes more. This has just been really, really, really incredible. I, I know often people say to me, what's your favorite restaurant? 
And I'm like, well, it depends what, if I'm going out with my family, if I'm going out with my wife, if I'm going out for business. So before I get to that, one question that I like to ask uh, those who join me on my podcast is, a game I play with a friend, a very dear friend of mine. It's called the Joey Bodner game, okay? Who would be the most powerful person you could get on the phone, and how long would it take you to get him on the phone? That's an interesting question. He's good question. Very good question. He's saying in the food world? No. Who? who? I'm not... I, I mean, I, 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 I'm just being honest. I'm like, just I, be honest. Thinking of the answer, I'm like, I, I can't think of a scenario that I'll be in that I need that. Okay, so my answer is always Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I believe, I believe, if I needed to, okay, it would take me 24 hours to get on the phone, even when he was president, with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That's my answer. Okay, and nobody's ever challenged me, okay? But I believe I've been a huge. Donald Trump, right before he was so popular, I'd done probably about, as my mom says, 54 book reports on Donald Trump. I like that. 54. Okay. On, on his book, Donald Trump. You know, it was the same book report. I just like kept changing, changing, changing the cover. You know, the one thing a lot of uh, food guys, hospitality, operation guys have in common, we were never school people. Is that fair to I, say? My first job a week out of high school was in uh, Bernstein's on Essex, Schmunker Bernstein's. How many and years? I, how many years were you at Bernstein's? That was in nineteen. A year and a half, and my first job was pickling meats. I sat in a walk-in fridge for eight hours a day with a raincoat on, pickling meats, and then I was busboy, and then I was waiter. And you you were a signature bed. iconic figure because you were young. Most other Seven people years. were eighty years older than you, but then you walked in, and there was this sharp-looking guy. I mean, there was a picture over here that I pulled uh, eight weeks ago. Uh, if anybody wants to see it, go on to the jackshelby.com. Shelby's got to eat. I'm sorry, eat. Com. And I mean, this is like Mr. GQ of the Lower East Side. Yeah. Did you live on the Lower East Side? I, I, I didn't. I lived in Brooklyn. You lived in Brooklyn. Born and raised in born, born and raised in Brooklyn. But can, can, can you lived Bernstein's. Yeah, that was my life. I mean, I loved it. And you know, the best thing about the whole thing in the restaurant business at Bernstein's and at Grandelli was, to me, my biggest satisfaction, not how much money I put in my pocket at the end of the week, but watching people eat and be happy and, and satiated. Right, but I want to add, I want to add one thing, um, because back in the day, in the heyday, probably when you were at Bernstein's, there weren't so many Jewish communities across the tri-state, right? The five towns was not the five towns. It was the five towns, but it wasn't the five towns. Right. Uh, there was no Lakewood. I mean, there were some people who lived in Lakewood, but Lakewood, what, what, even Brooklyn... It was really flatbush. You know, there was Borough Park, but it wasn't Borough Park of today. Uh, you went into other communities, Teaneck, Englewood, Fairlawn, uh, East Brunswick, um, Edison. Those communities did not really exist to where they Not every community had what they have today. Uh, five or six Flacek restaurants, three pizza stores, two coffee places. Back in the day, everybody came Bernstein. to Bernstein's from all over the place because it was, uh, I tell you, if you go to Lurie's side, I mean, that's a whole other situation and story that we can talk about at another time, but wherever you live, Bernstein's was a half hour drive, 40 minute drive, you came through the tunnel, you came through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, you came over the bridge, you came through the Holland Tunnel, tourists, what about all the tourists that came, I remember, I grew up in Cleveland, and I remember, you know, um, coming in with my parents, coming in, you know, with my father, we do our bar mitzvah trips, as we came older, we were there, when I was at Yeshiva University, we used to drive down there, the great memories of going there with my wife, um, 
It's amazing to me that nobody really has a book. Is there a book on Bernstein's? Not that I'm aware of. I wish there was. You're saying a good point there. Right? It could be great, right? It would be incredible. And can we go back to how we started the show? The Sino sauce recipe. Do you know okay, it? Okay, so between you and me, there is one recipe I have from Bernstein's. One recipe only. And it had a lot of good things. Yeah, a, a great things. And the one recipe I have is the Sino sauce. That is it. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. And, and the one thing I want to talk, and then we'll end with this, you have a magic dust, which people love yeah, also. Exactly. And that's another thing that people don't understand. Just like the packaging world, getting it done, getting it into the stores, all that kind of stuff. And a hand packet, by the way. It's artisanal. It's handcrafted. It sure is. That was just, I just had, uh, last week, the show was blowing up. I had the owners of Patanelef. It's a huge bakery in Israel, uh, based in a front and like they're handcrafted, artisanal, the whole thing. And that's the way to go. Um, this was absolute, absolutely an amazing show. I know it is going to blow up once we get it edited and out there. And this was amazing. I can't thank you so much. Today's show, thank Living the Dream Powered me. by the Douglas Club Experience, the one, the only, Jack Shelby. Shelby's got to eat. You can't see him. He is wiping his face with the napkin. He's got the toothpick in his face. He's making a hot dog and the egg roll. Toothpick and a bourbon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You've just listened to another amazing episode of Living the Dream, powered by the Douglas Sockloff Experience. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to get notified when a new episode is live. You can also follow us on social media or visit our website, douglasexp.com. If you'd like to book an experience with us, you can call us at 917-541-1033. Until next week.